Amen. We can take take confidence that God's word is true. God's word is true. Listen, I want you to um, let's get ready to go into the word of God real quick. Uh, I want you to go in your Bibles to Mark chapter five. Mark chapter five. I'm gonna give y'all a second. Some of y'all need a second because. The device that you normally go to your Bible on, you watching me. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a second to turn some pages real quick. Amen. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Um, drop down to verse 21 for me. We're going to read 21 through 24. And then we're going to read 41 through 43. Okay. Mark 5, 21 through 24. This is the New International Version. It reads like this. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Verse 41 says, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Koum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Uh, after we pray, I want to speak to you for a few moments from this thought. In this house. In this house. In this house. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for another day. We thank you once again, God, for your word. We thank you once again, God, for your presence. God, we thank you even for the means to be able to have online worship. Now, God, my prayer is that this word fill every house, that your spirit fill every house, and that every soul that hears this word be better than they were before. God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And it's in that name we say amen. 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 In this house. Um, so so it, it's obvious that the reason why we're having uh, online worship is in fact because uh, we are ordered to be uh, somewhat quarantined as well as socially distant from one another. All right? In order for us to remain as safe as possible from COVID-19 or the coronavirus. Um, and during these times of social distancing, uh, it has given people a form of anxiety because it's one thing to decide not to go somewhere, but it's a whole other thing to not be able to go somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so we're in a space right now where many people are experiencing anxiety 
and in some cases forms of claustrophobia uh, because their activity with the outside world has been so limited. But I came to you today not to talk about corona, uh, not to talk about a virus, uh, not to talk about uh, whether there is really treatment for it or not, not to talk about whether people are being tested properly or not. What I came to talk to you about today is what's happening in your house. This virus is forcing us to spend time with our families that our lives have made us be too busy to spend. This virus is forcing us to spend time in our thoughts, the thoughts that we try to keep busy so that we can ignore. This virus has caused us to spend time in, our, spend time, uh, in a house that may or may not be a home. This virus is causing us to look at the circumstances uh, of our families and our children uh, and really face them head on. Some parents have become teachers, some more successful than others, uh, but it's forcing us to readjust our lives and it's forcing us to stay home. So I wanna talk to you about what happens in the house. I wanna talk to you about what happens in the house. And although um, we're under unfortunate circumstances, uh, this is nothing new. The Bible says that there is nothing new under the sun. And so people have been dealing with sickness for a long time. And we see this right here in the text with J. Iris because his daughter is sick to the point of death. One scripture says that she's sick with a fever. One of the main characteristics of the coronavirus is what? High fever. Uh, so this is nothing new. And I'm not saying that Jairus' daughter had the coronavirus, but what I'm saying is Jairus' daughter knows what it means to deal with some sickness and be quarantined and have to be stuck in the house. Jairus understands what that looks like, but there are some things that we can learn from this situation. There's some things that we can learn from J. Iris and his daughter. Uh, and the first thing that I believe we can learn is that all of us can agree that whether, uh, regardless of whose house you live in, whether we talking about my house or your house, one thing that we can agree on, and you can write this down, is it's not perfect. It's not perfect. Yeah, it's not perfect. I love my house and I love everybody in it, but my house ain't perfect by any means. My house. It's not perfect. And J. Iris, uh, I, I believe J. Iris can feel me on that because in verses 22 uh, through the first part of 23, it says, then one of the synagogue leaders named J. Iris came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Uh, so J. Iris is a synagogue leader. He is a pastor. He's responsible for the spiritual welfare of the people and the business affairs of the church. Uh, uh, he's, he's a He's a leader in the church. He's a leader of faith. Yet and still, he runs to Jesus with a problem because even though he's a leader in the church and he's a leader of the faith, his house is still not perfect. Even the pastor got some problems sometimes. There's some sickness that can hit leadership's house too. There's some stuff that can go on in the house no matter what your social status is. Nobody's house is perfect. I don't care how much it costs. I don't care what kind of deal you got on it. I don't care how many cars fit in the garage. I don't care how clean it is. 
I don't care how new your furniture is. I don't care if the plastic is still on it. I don't care if you got a small TV, a big TV with a small TV on top of it. And one got the sound and one got the picture. It don't matter what's going on in your house. The one thing that I know about your house, even though I've never been, I know that your house is not perfect. And Jairus is a spiritual leader, but Jairus says, I don't have time to pretend like my house is perfect. There's some stuff going on in my house that I have to talk to Jesus about because some issues, Jesus has to be the one to fix. See, this is what I'm trying to get you to understand. I am by no means against getting professional help. I believe in doctors. I believe in counseling. I believe uh, in some forms of, of, of welfare, some forms of assistance. But there are some things that we go through in our lives that only Jesus can fix. There are some things that even though we go to the doctor, we're not putting our faith in man. We're putting our faith in God and we just allowing them to practice a little bit and we just hoping and praying that God will work a miracle through you but trust and believe that my faith is not in you my faith is in God to work through you there are some things that Jesus has to be the one to fix there are some things that God has to put his hands on in order for it to make a difference J. Iris goes up to Jesus and says Jesus I got a problem in my house my baby girl is dying and Jesus I need you to come and see about her because I don't spent enough time and money on doctors. I done spent enough time and money on natural uh, uh, remedies. But Jesus, there's some stuff that I need for you to touch. And Jaira says, Jesus, I don't care what's happening around me. I need for you to come see about me. Because here's the thing that Jaira teaches us right here in this moment. You can't keep putting things in a closet or sweeping them under the rug. See, some of us got so much stuff in the closet that the closet door don't even shut no more and you got so much stuff swept up under your rug that you can scoot up under it and eat at it like the kitchen table because it's sitting so high but the reality is sometimes you got to get in the face of Jesus and let him know about the things that are going on in your house even when nobody else knows what's going on in your house you got to understand Jairus goes and Jesus is in a crowd of people don't forget right before this moment Jesus is walking and a woman with an issue of blood who had been bleeding for 12 years, she touches the hem of Jesus' garment and Jesus stops in his tracks and says, who touched me? I felt something leave out of me. The disciples say, Jesus, you tripping all these people around here pressed up against you. It's a bunch of people out here touching you. Jesus says, no, somebody touched me intentionally, wanting something from me and they got what they needed. I need to know who it was that sought me out and got what they needed intentionally. And so Jesus is surrounded by a crowd of people and Jairus don't care about the crowd of people. Jairus walks up to Jesus and tells Jesus all about his problems even though there's a crowd of people around because Jairus says I don't have time to worry about what these people going to think about me because of my title and because of my position there's something that I need from Jesus and even if I got to expose myself in front of some people I'm not going to leave here without what I need from him so Jairus pleads 
earnestly, Jesus, please come see about my baby. He pleads in front of Jesus, in front of a crowd with no reserve and no restraint. He don't care who hears. He don't care what they think about him. See, that's the problem. Some of us uh, care too much about what other people are going to think about us. So Jairus, as a religious leader, goes and tells the business of his house in front of a group of people. See, here's the thing. you only comfortable doing that when you've already made it comfortable giving God praise in your house. See, the reason why you can't offer nothing during praise and worship in God's house is because you ain't offering nothing in praise and worship in your house. And if you can't do it in your house, then you definitely can't do it in his house. But Jairus said, I know too much about him to be able to doubt him. And there's something that I need from him because my house ain't perfect. And although my house ain't perfect, although my house ain't perfect, J. Iris teaches us something else. He shows us something else. He says, even though my house is not perfect, write this down. He says, we welcome his presence. Yeah, I know my house ain't perfect, but even still, we welcome his presence. Verse, the end of verse 23 into verse 24, it says, J. Iris says, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. J. Iris says, please come and put your hands on her. J. Iris said, my daughter is at home. She's in the back bedroom. But Jesus, I need you to come and put your hands on my baby. See, see, this is what we got to understand. Jesus really could have healed baby girl from right, right where he was. He really could have done his thing from right there. Jesus didn't necessarily need to go to J. Iris' house to do what he needed to do. But J. Iris said, no, Jesus, I don't want you to heal her from where you are. I want you to come to where she she is. Now here's what's interesting. When I was doing my studies on this text and I'm studying and I'm looking at different commentaries from these amazing theologians, one of the common things that I saw about Jairus is that many theologians down talk Jairus in this moment. Many theologians say that Jairus lacked a level of faith because he didn't believe that Jesus would heal his daughter from where he was. He thought that Jesus could only heal his baby girl that he was in her presence. I, I found this to be a common theme and it just didn't sit right with my spirit. It, it, it bothered me a little bit because, because I don't like when people start talking down on other people's faith. I, I, I don't like it. I don't like it because you don't really understand my circumstances so you can't understand my faith. You, you don't really know. The song says you don't know my story or all the things that I've been through. You can't feel my pain or what I had to go through to get here. You'll never understand my praise, so don't try to figure it out. My worship is for real. Even though it don't look like yours, even though it don't sound like yours, my worship is for real. So I was a little bit bothered by the fact that these theologians said that J. Iris lacked a level of faith because he didn't believe that Jesus could heal his daughter uh, from right there. But but I believe that J. Iris showed a lot of faith because, uh, because J. Iris welcomed Jesus into his home. Yeah, yeah, see, see, Jairus, Jairus, uh, Jairus wasn't worried about uh, who might hear what was happening in his home. Jairus wasn't worried about what people would think about the fact that his daughter is sick and he's supposed to be a man of faith, so he should be able to pray the sickness out of his own daughter. Jairus didn't care about none of that. Jairus walks right up to Jesus and says, I need you to come to my home. Um, 
Now, there is a similar situation in scripture where a centurion, a Roman soldier, goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, my child is sick, and I need you to heal my child. And Jesus says, okay, I'll come and heal your child. And, and the centurion says, no, 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 we don't got time for all of that. I know who you are, and I know you can heal him from right where you are. So we don't got time to travel all the way back to my home, Jesus. I need you to do your Jesus thing, and I need you to heal him from right where you are. But Jairus says, Jesus, no, I know you can heal him from right where you are. But I need you to come to my home. I wonder why Jairus says, Jesus, I want you to come to my home. Uh, I believe Jairus wanted Jesus to come to his home for two reasons. Two reasons. The first reason is, uh, the first reason is he wasn't worried about what Jesus might see. Yeah, see, some of us, the reason why we don't want to invite Jesus into our home is because if he come into our home, then we expose uh, all, all the stuff that people don't see at church. Yeah, if Jesus come to your home, he might see who's laying in your bed. Yeah, if, uh, if Jesus come to your home, he might see what you've been watching on TV. If Jesus come to your home, he might see what's on your musical playlist. If Jesus come to your home, he might see how you treat others when you're not in church. If Jesus come to your home, he'll see whether you only pray on Wednesdays or Sundays. If Jesus come to your home, there might be some stuff that he would see. And some of us don't want Jesus to come to our home because we're afraid of what Jesus might see. But Jairus said, listen, I'm not afraid of what you might see because whatever it is that you might see, you already know about anyway. So you might as well come home. The second reason why I believe that Jairus wanted Jesus to come to his home is because Jairus knew that if Jesus came to his home, that he might qualify for a double blessing. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, he, he might qualify for a double blessing. Let me put it to you like this. Um, let me put it to you like this. Uh, um, uh, my wife and I, we, we had an issue uh, every single year around the same time of year with our garage door. Uh, ever since we've been living in this home, we moved into our home uh, uh, December 18, 2015, and by November of 2019, uh, we had an issue with our garage door. Matter of fact, we had an issue in, in January of 2019, and then an issue again in November of 2019. We just keep having an issue with the garage door. So, so, so we first turned in, we first turned it in uh, to the homeowners insurance. And so they came out uh, and, and, and they said, well, listen, uh, technically uh, this ain't covered, but we're going to go ahead and fix it anyway uh, because we're here. Okay, y'all. All right. Even, even over the phone, y'all sleep. Okay. So then, so then, so then uh, we have, uh, this is 2015, then 2016, we got another issue. They said, listen, we fixed it last time with the, with the homeowner's insurance, but we ain't going to be able to keep fixing it because really it's not covered because your issue is the door. And what the homeowner's covers is the garage door opener. It only all covers the motor part. It don't cover the actual door. And so we try to figure out what we're going to do about this door. So we pay this company uh, to fix the door. And then we have another issue with the door. So we call out another company and we say, listen, we done had issues with this door three, four years in a row, and we tired of paying somebody to come out and fix this door. And so, and so the man at, at the new place says, listen, listen, he says, he says, I could fix your door, but if I fix your door, you'll be calling me again. Because the problem with your door is not your door. The problem is your door is too big for the racks that are holding the door. And so as you keep moving the door up and down, especially when
when it gets cold outside, the framework for your door isn't strong enough to hold the door itself. So he said, what I want you to allow me to do is going to cost you a little bit more up front, but it'll save you more in the long run if you allow me to replace your door and your frame. Okay. All right, I need y'all to stay with me. Y'all got to get out of bed. Y'all got to stand up and hear this because I feel like y'all falling asleep on me. Uh, uh, he says, it's going to cost you a little bit more up front, but allow me to replace your door and your frame because if I replace your door and your frame, he says, I can guarantee the work. So he says, even if I have to come back, it won't cost you anything. He says, anything that happens with this garage door from now on is covered. Okay, so the man says, if you allow me to fix your door, you got to pay a little bit more up front, but everything's going to be covered. So, so we didn't just get a new garage door. Uh, we got new framework to be able to hold the weight of the door. Okay. All right. So Jairus says, Jesus, I need you to come to my home because I can go to somebody else and they might be able to fix the problem. But Jesus, I need you to remove the problem. I believe that Jairus wants Jesus to come to his house because he says, Jesus, if you hear, you might just fix some other stuff that's broke while you're here. Jesus, if you fix it from where you are, you don't have an opportunity to see the other stuff that's messed up in my house. But Jesus, if you come to my house, then you might be able to fix some of the other stuff that I've been dealing with. You might be able to fix the broken sink in my kitchen, Jesus. If you come to my house, you might be able to fix the broken bedroom door, Jesus. If you come to my house, you might be able to replace the fuse that keeps causing my light bulbs to go out, Jesus. If you come to my house, I might just qualify for something that I didn't even ask you for in the first place. So Jairus says, hey, my house is not perfect, but we welcome his presence. And then Jesus uh, does something amazing. Jesus does something amazing. If you drop down to verse 35 and 36 and then 37 and 40, you'll see that Jesus says, uh, I know your house ain't perfect, but I'm going to bless you for welcoming my presence. But here's the thing. Ain't no room for no pessimists. Okay, ain't no room for no pessimists. If you read verses 35 and 36, it says this. While Jesus was speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. He says, they say, why bother the teacher anymore? She, your, your, your worst fear has already come to pass. Your daughter is already gone. Ain't no need in bothering Jesus no more. You might as well just leave him alone. He, she's already gone. So ain't no need in bothering Jesus for nothing. You might as well just, just, just leave him alone. And then that's one group of pessimists. That, that's just one group. And Jesus, uh, Jesus says uh, to Jairus after he overheard them, verse 36, uh, he overheard what they said. And Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just believe. Okay. He says, he says, he says, don't be scared. Just have faith. Okay. So he says, I know you hear what these pessimists are saying, but don't be scared of the circumstance. Just have faith in me. That's one set of pessimists. Then there's another set of pessimists. So in verse 37, it says, uh, he did not let anyone follow him. This is Jesus. Jesus does not let anyone follow him to the house. Except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And the Bible says in verse 40 that they start laughing at him. 
Okay, Jesus gets there and they crying, snotting, and all kind of carrying on. And Jesus says, "Listen, stop all that. She's not asleep. I mean, she's not dead. She's asleep." Jesus says she's not dead, and the people who making all the noise, snotting, crying, and carrying on, they start laughing at Jesus. Okay, um, so 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 you got one group of pessimists that tell Jairus, Jairus, don't even bother Jesus no more with this petty stuff because she gone. It's too late. If he was gonna do it, he should have done it already because now it's too late for her to, for him to do anything for her. And then there's another set of pessimists where Jesus comes into the place and says, "There's nothing for you to worry about because she's not dead. She's asleep." And they laugh at Jesus. You got two sets of pessimists. Jesus says, "I don't have no room for neither one of them." Verses 35 and 36, they thought Jairus should give up and uh, because his daughter died. And Jesus says to Jairus, don't listen to what the people around you are saying. All you got to do is believe and have faith. He says, don't listen to the negative Nancys. Don't listen uh, uh, to the doubting Daniels. Don't listen to none of them. Uh, all you got to do is stay focused on me and keep your faith. Verses 37 through 40, they doubted Jesus' word. They doubted the word of Jesus. Jesus comes in. He speaks a word. Don't worry. She's not dead. She's asleep. They doubt Jesus' word and laugh in his face. And so Jesus does some OG stuff. Jesus says, uh, get out. This ain't even Jesus' house, and Jesus is putting people out. Um, because here's the thing. When you got a real relationship with Jesus, Jesus don't have a problem with coming in and throwing his weight and authority around. When you got a real relationship with Jesus, Jesus is comfortable coming into your space and doing whatever it is that he wants to do. When you got a real relationship with Jesus, you don't even got to speak for yourself because Jesus will work on your behalf. When you got a real relationship with Jesus, when people around you are telling you what you should and shouldn't be doing and it's going against the word of God for your life, Jesus will escort them stage left. Don't even worry about it because Jesus is going to handle it for you. So Jesus says, I don't got time for no pessimists. Get out! So he puts them out uh, because he don't got time for people uh, who are doubting. As a matter of fact, uh, Jesus so OG that Jesus got 12 disciples and he only takes three because he says, I only want the people to come on this trip. The people that I want to come with me are the people who have the faith to believe that I'm going to do something amazing. So sometimes even the people close to you got an exit stage left. If they can't get on board with what it is God is doing in your life, even Jesus himself had to only take three out of the twelve. So if Jesus could only take three out of the twelve, how many out of your twelve you think you're going to be able to take? Uh, because sometimes you gotta you got to separate yourself some people uh, from some people. And, and too many times do we say, my cutoff game is strong. Well, the problem is you cutting off the wrong ones because you cutting off the ones that's, that's with you. You cutting off the ones that ain't scared to tell you what you don't want to hear. Sometimes you got to cut off the ones that's a little bit too pessimistic. You got to keep the ones close to you that will trust and believe God with you for some amazing things. And so Jesus steps into the room and he says, the only people that I want in this room are people who believe that I'm here for a reason. Right. 
So we see these three things. We see that Jairus' house is not perfect, but we also see that even in his imperfection, Jairus welcomes Jesus' presence. And then Jesus uh, says, I don't have any room for any pessimist. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, Jairus, you don't have any room for any pessimist because you came to me and asked me for something. So you need to be the one to separate yourself from the people who don't believe. So the house is not perfect, but they still welcome Jesus' presence and they get rid of all the pessimists. And here's the last thing that I want to bring to your attention. This is the conclusion. This is the wrap up. This is all I got. Verses 41 and 43 say this. Jesus takes the girl by the hand and says, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. It says, at this, they were completely astonished, and he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Okay, uh, this is the first thing I need you to see, uh, or the first of the last things that I need you to see, and that is that Jesus touches the problem. Okay, Jesus touches the problem. Um, we're, we're in a space where we're having to have online church because we need to have social distancing. They're telling us uh, that, that touching is detrimental to our health. They're telling us that physical contact can put us in danger and Jesus walks right into the house and touches the problem. I came here to tell somebody that you might not be able to touch your neighbor, but Jesus can still touch your problem. There is no infirmity that will overtake you that Jesus won't touch. There is no problem that has come into your life that Jesus is afraid to touch. There is no issue that Jesus is looking at that he's afraid to touch. So Jesus comes right in and he touches the problem. Here's what you need to understand. We're at a time right now of social distancing and in the time of social distancing, you should be having a spiritual revival because since you can't spend time around a lot of people, you might as well spend time around the Lord because you can't spend time out partying, you might as well spend time praying because you can't spend time out wandering around the malls, you might as well get in his word. If you got the time, you might as well spend the time. During this time, God can fix the things that are broken in your life. That's right. Hallelujah. So Jesus comes in and he touches the problem and he tells the little girl to get up. And the little girl's sickness has to flee from her body. The thing that was holding her down has to flee because Jesus touches her body and speaks to her situation. So the sickness has to come out of her and the strength goes back into her and she's able to get up and the Bible says that she don't just get up but she starts walking around the room to prove that this ain't no hoax, this ain't no farce this is real life situations Jesus came in and touched my situation and he spoke a word over my life and now I'm brand new, now I'm up, I was dead and lost in my sin but Jesus came and touched me and now my situation has been made new, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus all things have passed away and all things have become new. The Bible says that the little girl gets up and starts walking out the room. And then Jesus does something that confuses me. Jesus says to everybody in the room, the Bible says that Jesus gives strict orders to everybody in the room. The Bible says he gives strict orders. The Bible says that Jesus tells everybody in the room, listen, I know what you just saw, but don't tell anybody what you saw. Jesus says, the Bible says that it's a strict order. So Jesus meant what he said. This was not a suggestion. This was not a recommendation. This was a strict order. Jesus says, don't tell anybody what you just saw. 
So I'm wondering, I'm praying, I'm saying, God, why is it that Jesus will walk all that way to raise this little girl from the dead and he puts the pessimists out of the room and Jesus does a great work in their life? Why is it that Jesus would do this miracle and expect that these people not say anything about it? And so I'm reading the text and I and I realized I realized that Jesus never says to hold your testimony. He just says, don't tell anybody. Okay, all right. I need y'all to stay with me. Jesus doesn't say, uh, Jesus doesn't say to hold your testimony. He just says, don't talk about it. Okay. Uh, so Jesus is not saying keep it a secret. Jesus is not saying keep it under wraps. Jesus is not saying keep it socially distant. All Jesus is saying is keep your mouth closed. Okay. All right. Uh, Jesus is simply saying, Jesus is simply teaching us that there are some things that are better seen than said. So Jesus says, I don't want you to talk about what I've done for you. I just want you to show people what I've done for you. Because get this, ain't no way it can remain a secret because Jairus came to Jesus in a crowd of people and exposed his issue in a crowd of people. And then when Jesus got to Jairus' house, there was a group of mourners who were there crying and snotting and wailing because the reality is they were benefiting from Jairus' grief. Yeah, see, there are some people who don't even want you to get your miracle because they benefit from your grief. See, you got to understand that back then when somebody died, the family didn't just pay for a funeral service and funeral arrangements and a burial. Back then, included in your funeral costs were, were professional mourners. And so you paid people to cry for you. You paid people to mourn for you. And so now Jesus comes in and says, the girl ain't dead. Uh, she sleep. And now these professional mourners don't get no paycheck. All right. <laughs> yeah, so now, now uh, these people are upset because, because now they can't benefit from the grief of Jairus because Jairus' daughter is not really dead. So now their existence in this room is obsolete. Yeah, yeah, I, I promise you, back then, they would pay for you to cry for somebody. And so when Jesus comes in and says, uh, shut down the funeral, this, this, this ain't no funeral. Uh, I'm going to turn this into a hospital real quick. This ain't no funeral. I'm going to turn this into a hospital real quick. Uh, and so Jesus comes in and he touches the problem and he speaks to the situation. And now uh, he says, don't say nothing because I don't want you to talk about what I've just done for you. I want you to show people what I've just done for you. So the same people who were benefiting from your destruction, the same people who were waiting on stuff to go wrong in your life, the same people who were telling you you were crazy for trusting in God, the same people who were trying to throw you off the course that God has set for you, the same people who were doubting on your behalf now have to be the same people to watch God take some stuff that was dead in your life and raise it from the dead. Now the same people that was watching you while you was exposing yourself on the altar have to watch God send a blessing to your house. And not only does he send a blessing to you, but he sends it to your children. And he sends it to your children's children. And he sends it to your children's children's children. And you don't gotta say nothing about it because your blessings can be seen even when they have not been saved. So, all I came to tell you, I took 40 minutes to tell you this one thing, that everything you need from God, it ain't where I am, it's where you are. Everything you need from God is in the house. Yeah, because God needs to be where your problems are in order to fix your stuff. Everything you need is in 
your house. And if you want to be able to be a blessing to God's house, let them start working in your house. Everything you need is in the house. If God starts working in your house, he'll do some miracles in the house next door. Uh, if God starts working in your house, he'll do some miracles on the cul-de-sac. If God starts working in your house, he'll do some miracles in your neighborhood. If God starts working in your house, then he'll start working in all the houses around you. And you don't got to leave your house to get what you need from him right where you are. Put your hands together and give God praise.